You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Scripture readings for this morning are from Book of Acts, from a few passages of from Acts, and also we're going to read passages from Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Now we first read those passages from the book of Acts. First we'll turn to chapter 9. We read from verses 3 to 6. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, So, so, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am a Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now we turn to chapter 16. We read from verses 8 to 10. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, including that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now we turn to chapter 22. We read from verses 17 to 21. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately, because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now please turn to chapter 27. We read from verses 22 to 26. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be, do not be afraid, afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives for all who, who sail with you. So keep up your courage, ma'am. When I have faith in God, that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run around on some islands. And now we turn to Second Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read the first 10 verses. Second Corinthians chapter 12. As we read these this passage, also please pay attention 
for the verses from 7 to 10, because those few verses are going to be the text for this morning sermon. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in, in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. But God knows. Was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, God often allows trouble and trials to come into the life of his covenant children. In a word, God often allows a thorn in our life. God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Job from Satan's assault. As a matter of fact, we all have thorns in our lives. Many people have faced the thorns and made them roses. Thorn can be in the form of sickness, such as cancer, leukemia, diabetes, heart attack, and stroke, and so on. We can have thorns that put us out of action, incapacitate us, loss of a limb, hand, foot, finger, or toes. We can have the thorn of blindness or deafness, deafness, the thorn of a paralysis. Some thorns in life are easier to cope with than others. Thorns can bring about positive or negative changes in our lives also. A thorn can be a habit such as drinking, gambling, or the use of drugs. It's a thorn to the addicted individual, but more of a thorn to the ones that love him. 
this individual is not the same person he or she was before the habit took control. The alcoholic who leaves work and spends his wages in a bar becomes a thorn in the side of his family. The next drink takes a priority over everything else in that person's life. The individual addicted to gambling believes that the next hand of cars or the next race bet will be the big one. So he or she bets away all the hard-earned wages. This not only is a process that is stripping away the life of that individual, it's also more importantly affecting those around him. However, however, God had a purpose for the thorns we have in our life, for each of the trials we endured. The life of Paul provides us with a great insight into dealing with thorns of life. Therefore, this morning I preach, preach to you the word of God under this theme. Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. At the first place, what it is. The second place, why he has it. At the first place, how he deals with it. Now the first point, what it is, what it is. Brothers and sisters, in verse 7 of our text, Paul told us that he was given a, a, a thorn in flesh. Since Paul uses the word given, People assume that it's given from God. But notice that the thorn in the flesh is a messenger of Satan. Messengers are always sent from a leader. Therefore, God did not send Paul this thorn, but, but God allowed it, just like the case of Job. The Greek word for thorn here is skolops. And it means a splinter or stake. A splinter can be a very bothersome. Sometimes it's hard to get it out. And every time you rub your hand against something, you are sharply reminded that it's there. Then if you don't remove it, it becomes infected and swells. And what was once a small little splinter has now become a huge irritation. That is the way our life is. Some small issue or circumstance starts small and eventually turns into a huge irritation. Troubled marriages start small but can turn into a huge irritation, especially you are with a wrong person. You find yourself stuck with this thorn. A little trouble at work seems harmless at first, but after a while, work becomes your greatest irritation. Then you find yourself stuck with a thorn. Your casual relationship started out harmless and simple until deep and serious feelings got involved, and now the relationship is exasperating. 
The debt was manageable until you got deeper, deeper in it, and now it has become irritating. It has almost taken over your life. You find yourself stuck with a thorn. Now, what, what kind of a thorn did Paul have? This is a very difficult question to answer. A thorn in Paul's flesh is another mystery in the Bible. It's so intriguing that it has fascinated interpreters of the Bible from ancient time to today. As a Bible commenter says, this passage seems to have afforded an uncommonly favorable opportunity for everyone to become an interpreter of the Bible. And he's right. In biblical studies, there, there seems to be a law of inversion. The less evidence there is and the more interpretation there will be. So up to today, there are more than 200 different interpretations of this thorn in the flesh. The explanations can be grouped, grouped up into a three major categories. For some, past affliction was some kind of a personal anxiety or spiritual torment. But for others, the thorn in the flesh was the persecution that Paul experienced. Most of the scholars agree that it was a physical ailment or a type of mental illness. But as it stands, the thorn of Paul's experience is reality applied to a variety of trials faced in his life. No matter what type of thorn was in Paul, it was considered by him as weakness it took away from his ability. It was a simple little splinter in his flesh at the beginning, but now it become infected and swells. What was once a simple splinter now has become a huge irritation. Paul was experiencing this kind of irritation. It was chuffing him. It was under his skin. It was bothering him to no end. And no matter how much he picked at it, he just could not get it out. Paul identifies it as a messenger of Satan. The purpose of Satan's messenger was to torment Paul. Surely Satan delight in Paul's being tortured, battered. Nonetheless, it will never be Satan's intent to inflict a Christian with a disorder for the purpose of keeping the Christian's faith to grow. Satan's desire is to destroy our faith. The devil is driven by a desire to move you away from God, and he does so not only by inflicting thorns in you, but also sometimes by fostering your pursuit of self-adulation, egotism, and pride. Although Satan cannot really touch the work of grace, upon the heart of the elect. He can torment the feelings, harass, harass the mind, 
and stand and stupefy the judgment that all spiritual experience becomes in our apprehension a shapeless mass in which our faith is in great danger. Have we not, when thus tormented and stunned by the assaults of Satan, jumped back at times with horror at ourselves and said, Can I be a Christian? Is there any mark of grace in my soul? Can God ever dwell here? Could I have such a thoughts, temptation, and feelings if my body were indeed the temple of the Holy Spirit? This, bring, this brings up a very interesting question. If something bad happen, happening is happening to us, if we become sick or have some kind of weakness, do we blame this on God? Do we blame this on evil? Is the devil responsible for all of the sickness in the world? Paul seems to think that his throne was from Satan. Perhaps all thorns today are from Satan as well. Here is what we do know. When we become sick or something bad happens, or we are seized by temptation or pressure by the world, our faith tends to waver, does it not? Is that not the work of the devil? Does he not want us to fall away from our faith? But isn't it that God uses the devil for his own good? Perhaps it's Satan who works the bad things in our lives. But we cannot blame every illness or ailment on Satan. After all, we are flesh. We are physical. And what is physical perishes. It does not last forever. Our nature alone calls for times of sickness. But even if it's Satan trying to tear us away from God, it has its purpose. Yes, the thorn in Paul's flesh was a messenger of Satan. It was something from Satan with evil intent. Yet, yet it was also evident that God allows it to remain. This leads us to the second point. Why he has it. Brothers and sisters, we all know Paul is a very faithful servant of God. But why does God, why does the Lord allow Paul to be given such a painful thorn in the flesh? Actually, there are two full contrast of purposes for Paul to have a thorn in the flesh. One purpose is from God. And the other one is from Satan. According to the verse 7 of our text, it's in order to keep Paul from being conceited because of those surpassingly great revelations he has received from the Lord. And what are those surpassingly revelations? And they refer to the 
verses and passages in in our today's readings. So first of all, this thorn became this thorn came because of the abundance of revelations Paul had received from the Lord. And a person has an abundance of revelations similarly to what Paul had, he's not going to have a thorn. Otherwise, that would disqualify this person right away. So here, obviously, the thorn was to keep Paul humble. Therefore, God had to be the author of it, because only God would want Paul to be humble. It would have been very easy for Paul to have a pride of these revelations. It would also have been very easy for the church to exalt him too highly. So this is a way to make sure that Paul remained humble. Speaking of humility, is a necessary trait for God's people. In verses 5 and 6 of 1 Peter chapter 5, it says there, All of you close yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Brothers and sisters, you know, sometimes it's a good thing to have an outside help to keep us humble. We may not have the exact same experiences as Paul has had, but we do. We do have the same full revelations through the word of God concerning our salvation. If the Apostle Paul needs to be reminded by a thorn to be humble, then how much more do we need to be checked by the thorn in our flesh in order that we may be humble before God? Brothers and sisters, on the other hand, we must know that the thorn in Paul's flesh is not given by God, but it's given by Satan. Satan's purpose is to torment Paul to tear away Paul from God. This is Satan's same purpose when he put thorns in our flesh today. He wants us to have a, have a bitter feelings about our God. He wants to tear away our faith from our covenant God. We must always remember, God is in control. God has been preventing the serpent's purposes in the story of Joseph being sold to Egypt. In the words of Joseph to his brothers, you mean the evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Genesis 50 verses 20. Brothers and sisters, these things happened to Paul. Not because Paul was out of God's will, but because he was in it. 
They happen to Paul in order to mold his character to make him more holy and more like his master, Jesus Christ. We cannot be deceived, not by the world, not by, not by our ideals. If you live a life for Christ, it isn't going to be a piece of cake. It's going to find very difficult times. We will experience trials and hardships just like every other person on the earth. But we cannot believe the misconception of the world that you deserve. The truth of fact, the truth of the matter is we are blessed to not get what we deserved. God's whole purpose for each of us is to make us holy in Christ. That is, he is going to keep us humble. We are not guaranteed suffering free in this life at the moment we put on Christ through our faith and through our holy baptism. Life is always going to have its hardships. Paul understands this and knows all about suffering. And we too can learn from Apostle Paul. God's helping hand is never removed from the lives of his covenant people. Our thorns are weighed with divine purpose. When you review your thorns from eternity perspective, they will serve as instructors tutoring you to humility and dependence. And they will fuel your submission to Christ omniscience when you are almost reluctantly reluctant to submit. Now we come to the last point. How Paul deals with it. Brothers and sisters, did Paul react to this thorn in the how did Paul react to this thorn in the flesh? Did he cry? Did he cry, praise the Lord, or hallelujah anyway? Or invite his friends to a celebration party? Not at all. It was far too threatening to his spiritual life. Then what was Paul's response? In verse 8 of our text, Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. That's just what Paul did. He prays that God will take it away. And then when nothing happens, he prays again. And then again. Three times he prays. Paul had an issue. And he talked to the Father about it. This was just like what our Lord Jesus Christ did in Gethsemane. Did God ignore Paul's and Jesus' request? God did not, did not ignore their request. But he chose not to respond with answer Jesus and Paul was, were looking for. The, the answer our Heavenly Father gives to Jesus and Paul is no. You see, brothers and sisters, prayer and 
providence are a, a lot more complicated than God just indulging a, our every whim or even removing our every sorrow. Often, just as for Paul with his thorn and Jesus with the cup of suffering, God is not going to sit in heaven disregarding his will. He may not move away of trial, our trials and tribulations, even though we have requested. Often, God says to us, you must travel on with the thorn in your flesh. The suffering cannot be removed right now. And maybe never this side of death. This very thing happens to all of us covenant children of God. Many times we pray for a particular want and need and our request seems to go unanswered. We must realize that God does not think like us. His thinking is on a superior level which is to to our benefit. God always grants us more than what we ask for. But he grants it on his own time schedule, his own time frame. The very fact that we go to God in prayer is an indication that we are seeking God's will. In our prayer, we are to pray with persistence. We are to pray with earnest. We are to pray especially like our Lord Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul did. In our prayer, we have to remember that the thorn is in our life because God is working in our life. He is not trying to make us miserable and He is not trying to tear us away from Him, but He wants to help us get a little closer to Him. From verse 9, we see that although God did not give the answer, answer Paul wanted, but instead, our Lord Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's Christ's grace, isn't it? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus himself said these words to Paul and to each one of us here this morning. He is talking about his own dynamic, irresistible grace. There's nothing static about it. It's not a mere mild attitude. It's not the niceness of Jesus Christ. The grace of God is dynamic. Irresistible. Grace is defined in verse 9 as Christ's power. My grace, my power. The power of the one who multiplied the loaves and fish, who spoke and the dead were raised and the wind and waves obeyed. This grace of Jesus Christ is operating in all of us in the Lely Canadian Reform Congregation, keeping and empowering us all. Grace is Christ's almighty love working to save and sanctify the covenant people of God. 
through the suffering of, through the sufficiency of this grace, we shall be able to bear any adversity, endure any hostility, resist any temptation to re- retaliate, to turn the other cheek, and be delivered from self-pity. Serve God wholeheartedly in weakness. Keep going when no one, not even your own wife or husband, understands. You can be more than conqueror through this through Christ's great grace. It will more than compensate for the thorn in the flesh by having to depending on divine strength day by day. You will accomplish much more than what what you ever could by your own talents. That thorn in the flesh has thankfully blown to pieces your illusion of personal competence. Now let's have a close look at how Paul reacts to Jesus Christ's answer. Paul says in verse 9b, from verse 9b to 10, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power rests on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am awake, then I am strong. Here we can see, rather than bemoan his trying circumstances, Paul is glory in them. Paul says so because he believes that it's in such a weakness that he has the opportunity, opportunity to experience the power of Christ in his life as the Lord helps him deal with those weaknesses. By saying that he delights in weakness, Paul makes it very clear that he's okay with the thorn because although it makes him, makes him weak, it also makes him strong. Today, the power of Christ dwells in us through his grace and not through our victory. So if you are angry at God because things have not worked out the way you hoped, the thorn in your flesh are still bothering you, you know what? You do not need to change your circumstances. You need to change your heart. You need to find joy, happiness, and contentment in your weakness. You need to trust that God is looking after you. You cannot always choose your circumstances, but you can choose your attitude. So it's not enough to gain in some understanding why we have been given a thorn in the flesh and be reconciled to it and learn from it. More than that is required. We must delight in it. We have to rejoice in our infirmities. The Bible teaches us we rejoice in our sufferings. Romans chapter 5 verse 3. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. 
Rejoice and be glad. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. So infirmities can be a time for rejoicing. For that can be a time in which to experience the strength Christ gives. And the development of a character that pleases him. We can be sure that from now on, Paul delights so much in his weaknesses, he would continue to pray about the thorn in the flesh. But no longer that it might be removed. He would stop praying, O Lord, heal me. That silence was not the silence of unbelief. Of course, Paul believed God could take out the thorn in a moment. But Paul was persuaded that that was not God's will. So now he prayed that he could achieve all God wanted him to do for the kingdom in the years of the service that lay ahead. You ask, when should, when we should cease praying for deliverance? All I can say to that is that we have the same heavenly father as Paul, as any of his covenant children. So the drift of our praying is led by God as we increasingly know and obey the God of the Bible. Yes, brothers and sisters, we may have thorns in this way or another way in our life. We may suffer from those thorns. They are not willed by God, but can be used by our God. God took the cross, the ultimate symbol of suffering and desolation, and turned it into a means of grace. Then will he not also take our sufferings and use them for our benefits? If we have an ailment, or disability, a sorrow, or if any thorn in the flesh, God can use it. And we all have experienced this in our lives. Perhaps. Perhaps to make us more compassionate and understanding more others' sorrow. Perhaps to help us reassess the priorities in our life. Or perhaps to make us more appreciative of the blessings we do enjoy. Our sufferings can be used to help us and others groom a love. Whatever you may think of it, from God's perspective, it's the ideal because it is exactly what He knows that we need. And if you will submit to God, if you will stop resisting His will and just trust and obey Him in the midst of that situation, then he will use it to bless you, to bring you peace, to bring you joy, to bring you contentment, and to help you climb that mountain. And through it, you will not only become to know Jesus more deeply, but also 
you will become more mature in faith and more like our Master Jesus Christ. That is what we need to be striving for in our weakness. We are striving for God's strength. And this is the challenge for Paul, for you, for me, for all of us. Yes, brothers and sisters, the thorns of, the thorns of life are many, but the grace of God is sufficient in our weakness. There is a popular poem for those who suffer from weaknesses. I don't know who the author of this poem, poem is. Nevertheless, the right attitude which a Christian should have in all sufferings is expressed vividly in this poem. It goes like this. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given, I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of man. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. I am among men mostly, most richly blessed. Brothers and sisters, let's also remember what the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.